0: hello again everyone and welcome to the chris cast i'm your host chris and joining me through the spotify for podcasters app is paul
1: say hello paul hello paul i was waiting for you to mess that one up by the way
0: well you know it is a very very tough say so anyways we got a ton of news because For those who are wondering, Paul was out of town last week, so we couldn't record on Monday. And then I went out of town over the weekend, so we couldn't record when he got back in town. So we're a week behind, but we'll catch back up. And because of that, we have a ton of news. And we're going to start off with food news. And I'm going to start off with the disgusting food news first, just because. And from foodandwine.com... Even instant iced coffee can have phone, thanks to Maxwell House, because coffee is disgusting and it's the stuff of the devil. That's why I'm including this first. Whatever. Oh, it'll get worse from here. Trust me. But basically, I'm I'm not really going to go into this. It's kind of self-explanatory. Maxwell House has an instant iced latte. So if you're interested, look it up. And you can get all the information. But like I said, we've got a ton of news, so we're going to move on instead of talking about the stuff that's for the devil.
1: Well, that don't sound too bad to me,
0: Chris. It sounds awful. But what what about mustard Skittles? How does that sound to you? Mustard Skittles? Yep. Oh, great. This is on Detroit.com. French's Law launches latest weird food combo to celebrate condiments. <clears throat> They may be the same shade of yellow and offer a similar zang to the taste buds, but are they meant to be eaten together? Maybe it's just me, but mustard candy feels wrong. French's The Huge Condiment brand is launching mustard-flavored Skittles in honor of the approaching National Mustard Day on August 5th. Each year, the company honors the tiny tiny topping by teaming up with other companies to create a mustard-flavored something and it's usually a product you wouldn't expect or maybe even try. The limited-time chewy, tangy candies will be difficult to get your hands on. Officials say the Mustard Mobile will be transporting and offering mustard Skittles on a, quote, multi-stop tour up the East Coast, though only three locations were identified. Atlanta on July 31st, D.C. on August 2nd, and NYC on August 5th. You can also enter for a chance to win the specialty Skittles online. And in the click on Detroit.com article there is a link
1: there. I could understand mustard uh, pretzels or something like that. But mustard Skittles. Gross. And I've got another one
0: from (coughs) McCormick.com Mustard donuts. Ugh. Celebrate National Mustard Day with an innovative twist on classic glazed donuts. These fluffy cake donuts topped with a sweet tangy mustard glaze are the perfect way to honor the fan favorite flavor of French's classic yellow mustard.
1: I don't know, that's kind of got me intrigued, a sweet mustard glaze. It almost sounds like a barbecue sauce in a way.
0: Now, give me a piece of it. I will try it, but it does not sound all that thrilling. Is there a picture? There is a picture, and there's also a recipe online at mccormick.com. I don't know. It
1: doesn't look that bad.
0: It's two cups flour, one cup granulated sugar, two teaspoons baking powder, half a teaspoon mccormick ground cinnamon, Quarter teaspoon McCormick ground nutmeg, one teaspoon salt, one cup whole milk, two eggs, four tablespoons unsalted butter melted, two teaspoons McCormick all natural pure vanilla extract. That's the donuts. For the sweet mustard glaze, half a cup of unsalted butter, two and a quarter cups confectioner's sugar, two teaspoons McCormick all natural pure vanilla extract, two tablespoons whole milk and a quarter cup French's Classic Yellow Mustard.
1: I don't sound half, but...
0: Well, like I said, I won't be making them, but if somebody were to give me one little piece of it to try, I would try it. But I would not want a whole donut,
1: because I don't know how well it's going to go. But it sounds like that... Does it say how many donuts that yields? I did not look, and I've already closed it out. Oh. Oh. Sounds like to me it would make a crap load of donuts, And I would just want to make enough, like maybe four or five, just to see. Oh, you can always condense it down. Huh. But Might be something to do.
0: You ready for something that sounds tasty now? Sure. This is from Delish.com. <coughs> Taco Bell is making grilled cheese dipping tacos inspired by birria i guess b-i-r-r-i-a their version of birria tacos is bound to be a huge hit grilled cheese dipping tacos the savory tacos are crafted using slow braised shredded beef another first for taco bell a melted three cheese blend and a creamy jalapeno sauce the tacos are then grilled and served with two dips nacho cheese sauce and red sauce
1: Sounds like diarrhea on a plate. Well, isn't that pretty much everything that Taco Bell has? Pretty much. If you want to clean them out, you know where to go. <laughs> but
0: next up is from CNN.com. Too much? Burger King's new offering in Thailand has no meat and 20 slices of cheese.
1: Dude, I saw that on the internet, what, last week or something like that?
0: Yeah.
1: No meat and it's just piled full of cheese. Good Lord.
0: Now, personally, that sounds very tasty to me because I love me some cheese.
1: Yeah, but that tall of a sandwich with all that cheese, whatever. It's really not that tall to look at it. I, I remember looking at it. That is like disgusting.
0: The, it's, like two, the, it's like the size of a thick burger.
1: There's no way anyone can eat that without having a heart attack after eating that. That would be worse than having triple meat burger with cheese in between each one of them. That's how much fat and uh, saturated fat would be inside that cheese. Uh, I don't know.
0: Anything with cheese just sounds very tasty to
1: me. Yeah, but all but- that is is just a sesame seed bun with cheese. Mmm, tasty. Well, how about you making one of those? You try it and you let me know how you like it. I don't have the money to throw 20 slices of cheese on a, bur- on a bun, so. Well, next time you go to Abley's, grab 20 pieces of cheese. On the thing. They don't and have that
0: of cheese on there.
1: <coughs> and make you one and <laughs> see what you think.
0: They don't have cheese slices on the bar. Oh, shit. Anyways, wow. moving on from foodmanufacturing.com. Carlson Pickles announces Sparkling Wine Cocktail.
1: An April Fool's prank drew an unexpectedly positive reaction. April Fool's? Hello, it's almost August. It's tomorrow's August.
0: Yeah, but they they did it for April Fool's, and now they're doing it for real. Oh. Okay. It says when Stricts and Society announced a pickle flavor as their 2022 April Fool's prank, They were surprised by the immediate positive reaction and demand from their fans. As a digitally forward first brand, Spritz Society's Society's focus is on community-led innovation. And just one year later, Spritz Society and Clausen turned this once prank into a reality for fans of both brands. The result is a refreshing, crisp, pickle-flavored sparkling wine cocktail launching in time for summer barbecues and pool parties. That sounds good. Spritz Society Sparkling Wine Cocktails feature real white wine and natural fruit flavors and have now been crafted with pickle perfection. Each 8.4-ounce can of Spritz Society, pickles, Spritz Society Pickle by Clausen has 6% ABV, 120 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and packs a zippy, tangy taste. I would try. I
1: won't, because I don't like alcohol. just because of pickles. The pickle taste.
0: Next up, we got some desserts here from Krispy Kreme partners with M&M's for the first time ever in the U.S. They have chocolate candy surprise donut filled with M&M's. Ooh. The M on the donut. Chocolate iced donut topped with M&M's. Mmm. cream-filled donut topped with M&M's. ms mm. The chocolate candy surprise donut says, a one-of-a-kind donut inspired by classic red M&M's packed with M&M's Minis and M&M's Minis milk chocolate candies, hand-dipped in red icing and topped with a white iconic M candy piece. Chocolate iced donut with M&M's. An original glazed donut, hand-dipped in classic chocolate icing, then covered with M&M's minis, milk chocolate candies, and crispy rainbow dots. Peanut butter cream-filled donut topped with M&M's. A donut filled to the brim with decadent peanut butter cream filling, dipped in a peanut butter icing, generously garnished with chopped M&M's chocolate candies and rainbow dots, and finished with classic chocolate drizzle, and the one I missed because of where it was mini chocolate ice donut topped with m An MM A mini original glazed donut hand-dipped in classic chocolate icing, then covered with M&M's minis, milk chocolate candies, and a crisp, and crispy rainbow dots. When is this coming out? Uh, I think they're already out. Fans can get zero delivery July 17th through 20th for any M&M's collection order placed online or via Krispy Kreme app. So I would say they're already
1: out. Ooh, might have to stop by there tomorrow on the way into work because there's a Krispy Kreme right there at my work. But the the mini donut it
0: in the picture you can't really tell that it's a mini.
1: Is the mini the the red M M&M? and M? No, that's the oh, regular donut. The I mini is the one. The regular. M&M. Okay. It does look a little smaller. I mean, you really have to look at it to tell that it's a different size. I Honestly, bet you could
0: only... Which is what they're trying to take. It hole. looks
1: like um, there would be so much sugar involved. I bet you could only eat one. Uh, I don't even know if you could get through one cause with all that on there. All that chocolate and sweetness. and Plus,
0: I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, they they came out as of July 17th, so they are available now. Next up is from ChewBoom.com. Hostess introduces new Ding Dongs x Twinkies mashups. That's right. They have put a Ding Dong and a Twinkie together in one treat. Are you a fan of Ding Dongs or Twinkies? what paul is for those who can't see paul is just hysterically laughing over nothing right now of
1: course i'm a fan of ding dong (laughs) Ah!
0: see i i hear ding dong and all i can think of well two things first and foremost (gasps) is weird i think of it's fat video where the guy's going ding dong yo ding dong ding dong man yo And the other one is when you had Jim Heard created a tag team for the NWA World Championship Wrestling back in the 90s. It was two guys in masks, and they wore bells, and they had a bell in the corner, and they had bells on their costumes, and they were called the Ding Dongs. One of the worst gimmicks in wrestling history.
1: Nobody, I love, love Ding Dongs, Ho Ho, so, okay.
0: Well, I won't be getting these because the cream from Twinkies is made with animal fat. So, sounds, sounds good on paper, but when you get the reality of it, no, not for me. But next up is Heavenly. This is from Today.com. Popeyes adds cheesecake to dessert lineup. Ooh. They are doing Oreo cheesecake cups.
1: Mmm. Popeyes? Popeyes. If only we had a Popeyes close to us here. There's one in Hickory, but I ain't about to step foot in it. The last time I stepped foot in there, I felt like I had to go take a shower. It was so gross and filthy in it.
0: Well, we don't even have one in
1: Morganton, but.
0: That does sound so tasty and it's only available for a limited time. Because the Oreo Cheesecake Cup joins other desserts like the blueberry lemon cream cheese fried pie and permanent options like apple pie and strawberry biscuit.
1: Yeah, I thought Though that not officially
0: Oreo branded. McDonald's recently confirmed the US release of its own cookies and cream pie, which is now available for a limited time in select markets.
1: Yeah, I saw their advertisement for the strawberry uh, biscuit. I
0: would, I would try the, the Oreo cheesecake cup if they had one close here, but I'm, I'm going to be left out on that one. Next up is food-related. I've got two food-related stories that aren't actually food. First up is from DairyFoods.com Dove Ice Cream teams with Mean Studios for Sustainable Clothing line. First paragraph says, influenced by the brand's Dove Bar Vanilla Ice Cream with Milk (coughs) Chocolate and Dove Bar Raspberry Sorbet with Dark Chocolate. The limited edition line comes in a decadent cerulean blue and a vibrant magenta along with rich dark chocolate inspired brown. Because you know, who doesn't want to wear ice cream clothes? Yeah,
1: that's a bit much for me.
0: And then from TrendHunter.com, the Nails Inc. X Fruit Loops collection smells sweet and fruity. That's right. You can get Fruit Loops scented nail polish.
1: Okay. Because who doesn't want that as well? Do you know how many girls will probably be chewing their nails at that point?
0: Well, how many people just <clears throat> sniffing their
1: nails? It's Do like, I
0: think... You have all these toxic things that they tell you not to sniff, and then they make you sniff them. Like markers. They made scented markers. And now they're making scented nail polish. It's like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and smell those. It's, it'll be all right. It's just yeah, toxic materials I'm you're good. breathing in.
1: I'm good, yep. <clears throat> but that's it for food-related stuff
0: that I have. Did you have anything?
1: Uh, nothing food-related, no. Well, I did want to say I tried the Kit Kat
0: cereal, and it's good, but it's it leaves like a, a film when you eat it in your mouth, and I didn't really care for that, and it's not the greatest flavor in the world, so... <clears throat> yeah it's it's good and you'll want to eat the whole box and not throw it away but i don't know that i will buy it again
1: huh.
0: but moving on to entertainment <clears throat> this is from salon.com misprint of taylor swift record containing demonic music freaks out fan have you seen Ooh. this no it's apparently a vinyl album and the woman said she's not getting rid of it even though it's a misprint and i can't blame her i would keep the thing too just because it'd be really cool to have that album does it have a picture it's the new album it that's all there's a video here but there's there's no picture well what
1: kind of a on it
0: well, here, I'm going to read it. It says, at first, I thought that maybe she put a secret message in the vinyl because it started talking. And I was like, OK, this is weird, but it's not unlike Taylor, said Rachel in a quote obtained from Insider. In a now viral unboxing video of her $39 purchase posted to TikTok, she's seen flipping the record and hearing a creepy man saying, there are 70 billion people of Earth. Where are they hiding? Reaching the conclusion that what she had on her hands was not what commenters suggested was a haunted or cursed album, but a comical and likely valuable misprint of a 90s electronic music compilation, she laughed it off. I haven't seen a single other person who this has happened to, she told Insider. Although a representative for Universal Music offered to look into the flood if she sent the album back to them, she has no plans to give up her, quote, creepy vinyl. And I can't blame her. I would keep the shit out of that. Let me just tell you. It's, that is a cool, cool misprint that you would not want to give up.
1: Speaking of Taylor Swift, do you know what happened?
0: Which one are you talking about?
1: She has the most number one albums of all time for a female solo artist. All top 10 of her albums dominated the top 100 Billboard charts for the first time ever in the history of the Billboard charts. First artist ever done it. And you know what? I'm still not going to own one. No, what I'm saying is she is breaking records left and right. This tour that she's doing is the Federal Reserve as Taylor Swift for saving the nation's economy. This tour alone has pumped five billion dollars into the economy. Everywhere, she, millions of dollars were spent on hotels, restaurants, other shopping. For all the they, the Federal Reserve actually thanked her for doing all those shows in the United States.
0: Well, while, while you're talking about that, let's talk about the selfie incident because I know it was not Taylor Swift. It was what Miranda Lambert.
1: Oh, Miranda Lambert was a nasty bitch. Yeah. Well, what she did.
0: Here's the, here's the thing I don't know what the rules were at her concert. I wasn't there. <clears throat> I don't know what the whole situation was at her concert, but I have to agree with her to a point. Like, why are you there taking selfies instead of paying attention to the performance? <clears throat> like, why would you spend your money to go and do what you could do anywhere for free? when somebody's performing on stage. Also, what I'm saying about the rules is most of the concerts I've attended in my life were no flash photography, no pictures being taken. Galaxy Con that I went to over the weekend, they didn't want you taking pictures of the celebrities unless you bought the the selfie. (coughs) So, you know, it's... I can't really say that I can fault Miranda Lambert completely. If the rules were you're not allowed to take pictures, then you're not allowed to take pictures, and they should have been ejected. She was completely right if that was her rule. If there was no rule against taking pictures, then you have an issue. But, again, why would you be there? It's kind of like you go to the Phantom of the Opera, and you stand up in the crowd and start taking selfies.
1: You know? And do you know how many TikToks I've seen of fans posting videos with Taylor Swift at Taylor Swift concerts? Good God.
0: Again, if you're there for the performance, be there for the
1: performance. And did you see where Seattle registered a 2.3 magnitude earthquake from the two nights that Taylor Swift performed? No. Nope. she called, Her concert caused two, two nights of earthquakes. Each time a song started, the seismic graph went to 2.3 magnitude each night.
0: Well, it sounds more like they caused... Tremors.
1: No, they called it an earthquake. It a good article. They called it an earthquake. Well,
0: it, it still sounds more like tremors, because earthquakes are actually the Earth-moving tremors,
1: I could see... Well, the articles clearly says okay. For, fuss with the art Fuss with the people who wrote the articles, not me. But, um, I will give me their names, and I will call them right now. But the woman is I would say in five years, there's no stopping Taylor Swift, no stopping her at all. Nothing. Nothing well, can stop that woman. but but by the same token, eventually that bubble's gonna burst. Well, Some will come in and move them all. Jackson's dead, and his estate is still making billions every year. I mean, yeah, but
0: since you brought him up, he was filing bankruptcy before his death. Oh, I know. His death boosted his sales. Oh, yeah. So it's like John Denver, Tupac, and and Notorious B.I.G. Their deaths or supposed deaths boosted their music sales and such.
1: But anyway, like I said, there is no stopping that woman. I don't see how or what's going to bring her down. You
0: know, it'll happen eventually it's like all all acts eventually people will lose interest and she won't be as big and I'm I'm not wishing this on her by any stretch of the imagination it's just that's the way things go because there's always a new thing that comes along that replaces the old like well, was a, dwindling towards look, the
1: end look how long Madonna's been doing this she hasn't really yeah, shrunken, but, but base. her career is not what it was No, it's not, but she's still, I mean,
0: she's still talked about, she is still acknowledged, she is still a powerhouse 40 years after her first album came out. Which, by the way, this past week was the 40th anniversary of her first album.
1: I saw her, um, her announcement on Instagram for that,
0: and then she also posted about how her children were with her when she, when she fell ill and how it changed her perspective and made her appreciate her family more. So if, if you haven't seen that, I, I suggest go to Madonna's social media pages and read what she wrote because it was a really touching little thing that she wrote
1: there. Well, well getting back to, you know, she's she's still a megastar no matter what. So,
0: Well, it's like Michael Jackson, if he were still alive, would still be a megastar, but would he have anybody? Yeah, I mean I'm not taking away from them. I'm just saying that eventually somebody comes along and replaces them because it's the new thing and taste change and all that that's one thing that's helped Madonna is <laughs> she can change with the times and work with current artists so it kind of boosts her there but just hypothetically how do you think a duet with Taylor Swift
1: and Madonna would go over? I think it'd be awesome.
0: Like, it's not unheard of because Madonna has worked with a ton of huge names.
1: I think her and Madonna, if they come out with like a duet on an album, or like a, you know, how pop and dancey their albums are, I think it'd be a hit. As long as Madonna doesn't try to French kiss her. Hey, got
0: headlines.
1: So, okay what else we talk about
0: well moving on I got two stories for Ryan Reynolds Fubo TV first up this is from cordcutters.com or cordcuttersnews.com Ryan Reynolds bikers biker mice from Mars show for Fubo Fubo leads obscure nostalgia revival wave so basically it says biker mice from Mars is a pretty deep cut for any kid who grew up in the 90s Yet Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds, is leading an effort to revive the relatively obscure cartoon for streaming service Fubo. Mars* from Mars is not the only thing they're doing, though. They have also announced new ALF projects.
1: Hey, while I'm thinking about it, I need to talk about this before I forget it. Um, On the new Deadpool movie coming out, did you read where Jean Grey and the Scarlet Witch is going to have an epic fight scene in it? I have not, so I don't know if that's true or not. Well, I read about it. So, where did um, you read about it? So that's the question. It was on Instagram.
0: Okay, again, take it with a grain of salt. I have not seen any legitimate reports on I'll, it yet.
1: Uh, I'll send it over to you after a while.
0: Because, you know, a lot of things can be fake today, so... I'm, I'm not saying that it's but not could, real. I'm just saying... I'm just saying Jean,
1: Jean Grey and the Scarlet Witch? Good lord! That would be like the battle to end all battles.
0: But anyways, this is also from CordCutters.com or CordCuttersNews.com. The it says, Do you miss the classic ALF show? Good news today. Fubo, Ryan Reynolds, and Shout Studios announced a deal to produce more original ALF content. This deal will also include an Alf marathon of the classic 1980s show on the new Maximum Effort channel starting J- Saturday, July 29th. Finally, fans of the show will now have some new content to enjoy as they rewatch the original 80s classic. So, I don't know if you can get the Maximum Effort channel anywhere but Fubo, and I don't know if you have, if Fubo has a free or if they, you have to pay for it or what, but I would definitely... Be, I'm definitely going
1: to be checking this out to see. But how are the, they going to have more original episodes? Is Alp still alive?
0: How do they have new Adam's Family stuff? Are you talking about CGI? No, they have the Wednesday TV series on Netflix, they had the movies in the 90s, and the TV in the
1: the voice
0: of oh, he's still alive Jim Jim Henson was the voice of current he's been dead for 30 40 years do so you think any get enough and anybody could step into that role I mean oh, you, yeah, can, you got a point you have bunny's voice true so I mean it's it's <clears> not <throat> an an impossible thing here it does say the maximum effort channel is available to watch on Fubo as well as Amazon Freebie, LG channels Plex, Sling Free Stream, Tubi V-I-D-A-A Vizio Watch Free Plus and Zumo Play so Tubi I think is across the board available and it is a free service so you can get the maximum effort channel so I'm going to have to look into <coughs> the X marathons because okay. I love me some outs. What else? Next up is from geek Zachary Levi is launching a Chuck rewatch podcast. I love the- Zachary Levi. I think he's great at hosting things because he used to do the nerd HQ for Comic Con. Chuck is a fantastic series if you have not watched it everybody out there in the sound of my voice get on max and watch the series it's not even a hundred episodes over five seasons and it was fantastic that show was on the verge of cancellation every year and finally got its fifth and final season renewal stayed great throughout it was an original idea that cbs ended up copying So if you ever watched the show Intelligence on CBS with the guy from Lost, that was basically a a carbon copy of Chuck. What is Chuck about? He was was kicked out of the university, and I can't remember what it was. He was set up for it. I think it was cheating, but they kicked him out of the university, and he and his friend Bryce Larkin used to play a game – online and Bryce Larkin sent him a message online on the computer and when he opened it, it had all these images flashing on the screen and Chuck's there looking at the screen and after it's done Chuck just kind of falls backwards and then you find out that those images were the intersect all the nation's secrets in it and they had downloaded into Chuck's brain through that. And he ended up with an FBI and, I believe, a CIA handler. And, uh, and they were there to take care of him. And whenever he would see something, he would flash and access that part of the computer in his brain. You
1: know what that reminds me of? What? One of those, the Transformer movies with what you call him where he had all those codes in his head. And the Decepticons were after him? I really don't remember which one it was. But you know what I'm talking about, right?
0: I think so, but it's, it, I was not overly thrilled with most of the Transformers movies. So, but anyways, the, the Chuck Rewatch podcast, I definitely will tune into because it was a great show. Like I said, Zachary Levi is doing the podcast. I don't believe it has a date for the first episode yet, but I'm not seeing one here. It says, we don't have any news of the podcast quite yet, but stay tuned and we will keep you posted so you can follow the show as soon as it's up and running. For now, you can always rewatch Chuck on prime, which is, I don't know if they're still on prime, but it is on max. So it used to be on prime. I know but anyways Watch Chuck, it is a fantastic show and then finally DC announced a couple of animated films that are coming both of which sound like they are going to be epic releases they are going to do an animated Watchmen movie and they are going to do an animated version of Crisis on Infinite Earths Now, CW did a fantastic job on Crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't know how the animated version is going to be, and I'm hoping it's more than one part because it's such a huge story. But I don't believe they have any information on either one. Like They don't know if it's a continuation of Watchmen, if it's an adaptation of the graphic novel, what the deal is and with Crisis on Infinite Earths I've not seen anything it just says as revealed at San Diego Comic-Con two of the planned animated DC movies for 2024 are Crisis on Infinite Earths and Watchmen this is from gizmodo.com neither of which need much introduction the former from Marv Wolfman and late George Perez whose one year anniversary of the passing was back in May is practically functions is practically functions as the definitive multiverse story for two big for the big two comics it informs other big multiverse events or events with crisis in the title and has been adapted in some form or another over the years most famously in live action with cw's arrowverse so there's no real information given other than the names but i'm looking forward to finding out more about those Is are you familiar with either one of them? No. Well Watchmen, the movie, from what I understand, because I was not able to get through the comic, I will admit. It kind of bored me. But the the Watchmen movie, I was I was I enjoyed it. And they, there was a lot of talk about how the ending was drastically different. And then HBO did an original T V series called Watchmen. That was maybe loosely attached to the film, but it was its own story. So you didn't need to watch the movie to understand the TV show. And it took more elements from the comics that were not in the film. So if you get the chance, I do recommend watching both the series and the movie, but I would watch the movie and then watch the series. But the the comic itself is extremely... Critically praised. And I think it was more a product of its time, but because it's in the Reagan era. And Reagan even appears in the comic. Huh. But The Crisis on Lantern that is one of the absolute biggest stories in all of the comic book industry. Like, it was a massive story that took place over multiple comic book titles and had its own 12-issue miniseries that used elements from all these comics. It ended up in the change of Wonder Woman, and they, they stopped her title and restarted with George Perez at the helm after Crisis on Infinite Earth and gave her a whole new story, and, and it really changed a lot. It ended all of the multiverse then combined everything into one to try... It was their attempt to try and cut confusion in the comic titles, Um, but ended up, all of it got changed and they had multiverse again,
1: so. Along the same lines, didn't Wonder Woman have a birthday? Linda Carter
0: herself, yeah, just the other week.
1: Um, Did you see what was presented to her for her birthday? Uh, I'm not sure. It was her Wonder Woman outfit in a shadow box glass thing given to her from her show. I know she had the costume and kept
0: I know she kept one for a long time. She had it framed.
1: You could have, Yeah, so it's framed with the lasso in it and all that and she is holding it up. That was pretty cool.
0: See, I don't know if that was a new thing or not because I've I've seen it before, where she's holding the frame. And it's the costume, and I believe the bracelets were in the frame as well. But but she's she has long said that she kept the costume, and at one point she was saying that she could still fit into it. So I bet she can. The
1: woman's beautiful. She does look good. There's no denying that. She has definitely kept herself up. But, but with that we come
0: to the bad point of the, the show with those we lost first up this is from the Hollywood Reporter Stu Silver screenwriter for Throw Mama from the Train dies at 76 and surely you saw Throw Mama from the Train yes But it was July 18th at Highland Hospital in Rochester due to complications from prostate cancer. Next up is from ET Online. Bo Goldman, Oscar-winning One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, co-writer, dead at 90. No cause of death had been disclosed at the time of this article. <clears throat> from The Hollywood Reporter, Randy Fulmer, the Disney animator and master guitar maker dies at 73. He worked on films including New Framed Roger Rabbit, Beauty and the Beast, and The Lion King. And as the founder of Wind Guitars, he crafted hundreds of unique, much-desired instruments. said it was following a long battle with cancer. Next up is also from The Hollywood Reporter. Robert Lieberman, director of Fire in the Sky and D3, The Mighty Ducks, which I think that's wrong. I think it was D2, The Mighty Ducks, Dies at 75. He received more than two dozen Clio Awards and the inaugural DGA Awards for commercials and helmed episodes of 30-something, The X-Files, and Dexter. He also was after a long battle with cancer. Mm. So, cancer is the running theme for the show this week, it seems. Next up is from K-I-R-O-7.com WWE wrestler Mike Mantar Halak dies. He was 55. Who was he? He was not around long, and Jim Cornette has often said that he thinks he was put in as his manager as kind of a rib on Cornette. But he was—I mean, his career in WWE was probably about six weeks long. No, joke. Oh. But it was just he—it was a gimmick. He was half man, half minotaur.
1: And, oh, I don't remember that. And like I said, it
0: was—it was not a very long run. But because it was such a gimmick, a lot of wrestling fans do remember him. And I'm not seeing the cause of death not saying that it's not in here but I'm just not seeing it as I'm skimming through but here it is Alex's daughter Demi said her father died peacefully in his sleep but didn't say how he died he had That's talked not. about being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in the past
1: sounds like you're keeping it private do what? Sounds like they're keeping it private. Yeah, but
0: it, it sounds possible related to diabetes.
1: Could be. Which,
0: I mean, I've, as a CNA, I've seen some, some extreme diabetes cases, and quite honestly, I would not survive if I had that extreme diabetes. So I, I understand how hard it is for anybody with diabetes without even having it just from seeing that, because I know I have no willpower, and I I know I would would die from it if I were at that point. Next up is from BBC.com, one of three deaths announced today alone as we're recording. Wrestling Adrian Street, flamboyant legend, dies at age 82. He had recently undergone brain surgery, according to the article, but he was one of the original wrestlers portrayed as gay in the ring. I'm not real familiar with his wrestling career because he was in the territories that I was not aware of at the time. So basically the only information I had from Adrian Street was seeing him in the wrestling magazines in the 80s. But He was a very well known wrestler in his territories. Next up is from theguardian.com. Sinead O'Connor dies
1: aged 56. And of course, that was a really sad one because she just posted a TikTok not even days before she died. Um, It was from inside of her apartment. And it showed her with her guitar in her hand. And she's sitting there kind of like, you know, playing a few chords and talking about her tiny apartment. And she took the camera and spun it around. And it was a tiny apartment um, that she was living in. Um, uh, Well, a flat she was living in. And um, she said, overlook my shitty apartment. And that's what she said. She said, "I haven't cleaned up or picked up in a while." She said, but she said, "I wanted to share a few chords with you what I've been working on." So apparently, she was working on something, but um, but the cause of her death says she died of mental illness. So,
0: well, I was reading this and it sounded suicide. Yeah, the Irish singer's death came 18 months after her 17-year-old son Shane died after leaving a hospital while on suicide watch.
1: So she had, um, she was dealing with some demons, and I, and I feel so sorry for anybody who's dealing with that.
0: No, I, mean, I do have people had
1: issues back in the 90s when she ripped up the picture of the Pope and said, Fight the real enemy. Well, which, anyways,
0: I don't know if you remember, but Madonna spoofed that on Saturday Night Live <clears throat>
1: when she performed
0: as musical guest. And she held up a picture of Joey Buttafuku and said, fight the real enemy and then ripped it up. I remember that. It was was during the Erotica album. I can't remember if she had performed Bad Girl or Fever before it. But she did perform on Saturday Night Live and then ripped up a picture of Joey Buttafuku. It was not that long, like maybe a couple months after Sinead O'Connor. next up is also what seems to be a suicide. This is from Variety. Angus Cloud before you star, dies at age 25 and they're not giving any details but it is stated in the articles that he was having a hard time dealing with the loss of his father and everything they said in these articles led you to believe that it was suicide. So again I've heard people say that suicide is a coward's way out and it's really not. If you've ever been severely depressed and on the verge of suicide, only then can you understand where these people are at. And It's, it's not a good thing for anybody and when somebody feels that they have gotten to the point where they just can't take anymore and there's no hope and so they take themselves out of this life. I can't fault them for that, but I I can't agree with it either because you're not giving yourself a chance to do better, but by the same token, you are so down that you don't think anything will ever be better. So it's, it's not an easy situation and people just need to have more empathy rather than judging and hating. And unfortunately, that's what our society is now is judging and hating. My much next up from Entertainment Weekly, Ingus Vinson, Emmy nominated Vinson actress and Broadway star, dies at 90. Did you watch Vinson? Oh, yeah, because to me, Gretchen Krauss was the best character on Vinson. Like, I don't know any of Ingus Vinson's other work, I know she had a lot of it. She, I think she was Rose's sister on Golden Girls. I know she appeared on Golden Girls, but I think she was on as Rose's sister. I think so. And then
1: I know Polly
0: Holiday was Rose's blind sister, but I think Inga Vincent came on as one of Rose's sisters as well. And other than that, I'm really not familiar with any of her work but she she was on tons of stuff. It says she made appearances in New Heart, the Golden Girls, and Hotel. She was in miniseries North and South, and Nutcracker, Money, Madness, and Murder. And there's a lot of stuff listed here for her, but Gretchen Krause is a truly iconic character that no one could have ever done as well as she did, I don't think. Next up is from APnews.com, if my computer will ever catch up. Tony Bennett, masterful stylist of American musical standards, dies at 96. And I mean, everybody knows the name Tony Bennett by now, I would think. But what people, most people probably did not know is that he had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2016. And the reason I say most people did not know is because He still performed live. He still recorded stuff. I mean, there was a a quote that I saw where he had performed, I think, a show with Lady Gaga. and performed for like 50 minutes and didn't miss a beat after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So, he was a fighter for sure. And definitely a legendary icon. And then finally, I'm just gonna touch I'm just gonna touch on it here, but we will we will be paying tribute to him in the next half. But from USA to, usatoday.com, Paul Rubens, PB Herman actor and comedian, dies at 70 after a private cancer battle. And like I said, we will go into it more in the tribute in the second half, but the one thing and it's a scandal that has plagued him since it happened and unfortunately that was the case but you know he was caught in an adult theater and he was doing really nothing wrong outside of where he was doing it and he wasn't engaging in any illegal activities as far as like pedophilia he wasn't forcing himself on anybody he was Join himself basically, and and it became a huge scandal, and unfortunately, hurt his career for a long time. I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer was kind of his saving grace. But but, I mean, his Pee Wee Harmon, iconic, like you you can't help but know Pee Wee Harmon. And like I said, we will talk more about his his performances coming up, but he kept the battle of his cancer private, and unfortunately, he lost that battle. And that brings did us to the end of the refused. first half. I did not. It was a state that, that
1: was supposed it. to be a past. Not...
0: We might look that up and and do it this in the second half. But we will be back. I will be reviewing DC's superpowered the <clears throat> the DC story original miniseries on Max. And I will be reviewing Transformers Rise of the Beast, which has just come to Paramount Plus. Talking about GalaxyCon, Paul's trip to Salem, his home country, his homeland. And uh-huh. And we'll be paying tribute to Paul Rubens. So stay tuned, everybody. And with that, we'll just move on, because I think we've got everything out of the top ten there. Um... First up, I'll go ahead and do my review of Transformers Rise of the Beasts to get it out of the way. IMDb has it 6.1 out of 10 with 62,000 reviews. Rotten Tomatoes Tomato Meter with 223 reviews at 52%. Over 5,000 verified ratings on the audience score has it 91. This would be, to me, the second best of the Transformers movies, the best being Bumblebee. Because Bumblebee was a really, really good movie. <clears throat> this The story is stronger. The effects are better. You can actually pick out what's what in the fight scenes easier than you could in the first movie. Because, you know, in the first film, when they started battling, you couldn't really tell them apart.
1: It looked like they, just a bunch of metal meshed together, swirling around. Yeah. Now <clears throat>
0: they've got the color in there, and you can clearly tell who's who. They introduced some new characters I'm pretty sure this is taking from the Beast Wars line, which I never did really follow. But they have a gorilla, and they have, I believe a cheetah was in there, and they had a, a giant phoenix. And so they have the beasts in there this time. But it was, I mean, it was a really good story. I would definitely watch it again. Like I said, to me, it's the second best of the Transformers movies so far. They're finally figuring out how to do the movies, if you ask me. This one also is flashback. It goes back to 1994. So it's after the Bumblebee movie, but before the original films. And I kind of have an issue with that introducing the Beast Wars Transformers that came along so much later, but as far as the film goes, there are issues with it and there are things that don't quite make sense, but overall it was a really good film. I, I really enjoyed it. The action's good, the story's good, the effects are great. So they they did a good job with this one, if you ask me.
1: I I follow the voice of Optimus Prime, the dude who does it on TikTok.
0: It was just his birthday Friday, and then he was at GalaxyCon in Raleigh on Saturday and Sunday. That's awesome. I did not get his autograph, even though I wanted to, because one, the cost, two, the lives. It was him and Frank Welker there. Frank Welker was the voice of Megatron and others in the Transformers series. More famously, Frank Welker was Fred on Scooby-Doo.
1: So, I do not know that. Yes. So the voice for Megatron and for Fred is that dude? Yep. Wow. And that, that's a good segue into
0: the, oh, the Transformers Rise of the Beast is available on Paramount Plus with a subscription now for those who want to watch it. And I do highly recommend it if you're a Transformers fan. But that puts us into, we'll just go ahead and talk about GalaxyCon since we're there. It was a great time. We watched the news in Raleigh on Saturday night, and they said it was a record-setting turnout. They sold out, I know, Friday and Saturday. Thursday, they did not sell out. Sunday, I don't know if they actually sold out or not. I never heard the final tally on it. But the news said on Saturday, there were over 50 Thousand people in and out of that convention throughout the day.
1: Holy shit! It was
0: massive.
1: And how big of the convention center is it, Chris? Compared to like Hickory? Oh, it's huge compared to Hickory. And
0: I mean, you're still you get. I mean, there's they're not all in the same spot at the same time because you had. The stages with the Q&A panels and such going on, and you had the people who were outside, the people who were in the lobby, the people who were down on the convention floor. So there's, there's people spread out everywhere, and everywhere was crowded. Like, you could not get away from the people in this building. But you could not get through without bumping into somebody at some point. Did you feel safe? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a very friendly atmosphere. And as you're waiting in line for the autographs, you end up making friends with the people around you and talking. And, like, you're talking with who you're there with. And then you overhear somebody talking or they overhear you talking. And you start a conversation with each other. And I mean, it was like that in every line that I was in.
1: Um, Everybody was, there, was to each other. Was there a lot of security there, police presence? there was but they
0: weren't overwhelming and they were friendly like if you talk to them they like there was one guy they they didn't want people up against the railing probably for safety reasons and probably that people couldn't be there taking pictures of everything and filming and all this without (coughs) proper channels going through but um I went up to the one security guard because I wanted to take a picture of the crowd, which I posted on Facebook. I don't know if you saw the picture. but I saw it. I, that was, that was not as bad as the crowd on Sunday down in that area. Cause when I took that picture, you had Steven, Peter Cullen, um, Frank Welker, William Shatner, Christopher Lloyd, Paul Wesley, uh, Karen Gillen, Ian Summerhalder, and Zach Rorig, but the Vampire Diaries people, Zach Rorig, Ian Summerhalder, and um, Paul Wesley were not there, so they had nobody at their tables, and there were spaces in between where celebrities were going to be that weren't. On Sunday, that whole area was packed. Like Frank Wilker and Um, Peter Cohen were not in their spots with crowds when I took that picture. And you saw Um, all the crowds that were down there. Imagine um, all of that full. That's what Sunday was.
1: um, And Greg
0: from The Flash was only there on Sunday. And when I got here, I got into his line. His was from one wall, halfway back to the convention center. And that's with Lines zigzagging like you would line, and you basically they had tape on the floor where you had to follow the tape and kind of curl around it's in the of line like
1: a, Went up there, like cattle going through the turnstiles.
0: <clears throat> Think like you have roped off areas where you walk through the ropes to get to the register or whatever. It's kind of like that where they had people, but they didn't give you any kind of real space. So if you stood in there like you were supposed to, you were touching each other shoulder to shoulder because they gave no space for like adult-sized people. But the Grand <laughs> Justin I thought we were going to be there until 6 o'clock waiting in his line. We got there at 11.30 in the morning and got in his line. And we were so far back. And I knew he had photo ops that he was going to have to do where he had to leave the table. And they came by at and they told us at one point that he would be gone until 2.30. Then somebody else came by and told us he would be gone until 3. And I was like, I am in line. I'm not getting out of line. I'm staying right here. People got out of line. We moved up. Grant Gustin came back to the table. They cut the line off like one row in front of us. And then for whatever reason, they never did say they kept the line going after he finished that line. So he did not leave for his photo op. And he signed those. He he would talk to you. He wasn't real personable, but he talked to you and got you through. And it was, I mean, he was in Tampa Bay the day before he was in Raleigh. So He was making a commitment to the fans to hit these conventions, and it was only one day that he was there. He was trying to get through the crowd in the line. So, I mean, I I respect him for that. Stephen Amell, the star of the convention for me, I got there on Saturday. First thing I did was go over to where his Q&A was going to be, and I asked the the attendant there, I was like, when are they going to start lining up for Stephen Amell's Q&A? The attendant told me they're actually not clearing the room in between. So if you want to go on into this panel and sit through it and then move up when it's done, you're more than welcome to do that. So I did and got real close and thought I had a really good seat because they online they said they were not taking questions during the Q&As because of the writer's strike. And then when I've got my seat, they set up a microphone. And then they called for people to come up with questions. And they lined up right in the row that I was sitting on. So I couldn't see anything on the stage. All I could see was people. But uh, I got to hear everything that he was saying. It was hilarious. He snort laughed four times. It was so much fun. I'm hoping they get it posted on YouTube soon. They have his Q&A from, Raleigh, or from Richmond earlier this year, posted online on YouTube. And I watched it today and it was fun. We got more details on certain things than they did. And I think we had better questions than they had. And it was just so much fun. You know, I was literally up to him like getting ready to get his autograph. And he told me he had to go to the bathroom. So he took a break right as I got up there. And then he came back and he He looked at me and he went, Hi. (laughs) And I just kind of melted because, you know, he's my other husband. I love him terribly. And it was just, it was a wonderful time meeting him. He, I honestly, I forgot to get the selfie until Lamar reminded me. And I said, Oh, I forgot the selfie. And he came around the table, put his arm around me, took the phone, took a picture of us. And I mean, it was great. So he was everything I hoped he would be. And then I met Lamar was waiting in line for Richard Dreyfus, which took forever. And there was, his line was not even half the size of what Stephen Amill's line was. Stephen Emil being personable and talking with the fans. Oh, and by the way, I did tell Stephen Amill that for 11 years, I've caught him my other husband to, to torment this guy pointing at Lamar. And he looked at Lamar and he goes, really? And Lamar was like, yeah. <laughs> so Stephen you knows he's my other husband. And but but no, while Lamar was waiting for Richard Dreyfuss' autograph, I went over and got Lori Petty's autograph because they both had photo op. They were both found from the table. They said she'd be back at five. I went over. There was only one other couple waiting, and then somebody with a fast pass that got their autographs before I did. And then I got my autograph with her and talked to her a little bit. And I had three different videos with me, and I, I was trying to decide which one I wanted. I ended up getting her to sign the Free Willy VHS because I was like, VHS is going up in value. This is something cool that a lot of people probably don't anymore. And one is the original release of the VHS from way back in the day that I still had, and it's in good shape. And so now it's got her signature on it to me. And, you know, she was Livewire on Superman, the animated series. She was Kit Keller in A League of Their Own. She was in In the Army Now. She was in Tank Girl. She was in Gotham, the TV series. I mean, so many great performances she has done. And I loved every minute of being with her. And so I got her selfie went back to the line. Still Richard Dreyfus did not come back. Like he was gone for over two hours from his line keeping people waiting. And I understand he's old and has issues, but and he came back and they were like, He's tired and we're we're not personalizing anything. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe he should have said that he's not gonna come back instead of having people How wait, but old he is did How? and How? uh that I don't know. I can look it up real quick, but I'm I'm not mad at him, but it just would have been nice to to not have to wait all that time. It says he's 75 years old. He'll be 78 or 76 in October, and he is in a motorized scooter. I mean, he was he was Lamar didn't talk to him because they said that he was tired just going to be signing autographs he wasn't going to be personalizing and somebody else that was in the line talked to him and said that he was really talkative and really friendly and so i mean at least that was good but it's just
1: it was rough like like really rough like was there celebrity that kind of came after you being snotty or bitchy
0: no i mean there, there were stories of others that I I discount because one was saying the one that we met in line in Richard Dreyfuss' line, he went and got Lori Petty or went to talk to Lori Petty at the table and said she didn't have anybody waiting, and she kind of scooted him along because he wasn't buying her autograph or anything, and she said she had other people, but it, there was nobody in line, and he got kind of miffed about that. And I was thinking, you know, it's kind of like if you – go up to them while they're walking through the convention and don't pay for what they're doing. It's like they're there for a job. They want to be paid. You would feel kind of the same way. You wouldn't want people taking advantage of you just to come up and talk. You don't know who this person is. You don't really care who this person is. So, I mean, I, I can defend her on that. If you if he bought her her autograph, I guarantee you she'd have been very talkative and appreciative of him. But you don't want to be bogged down by everybody at the convention coming up and talking to you. So yeah, I, I can see her point, and it's I won't falter for it because it's like we were talking about how if as the people went walking by you don't really want to talk to them because they're there for a job and you don't want to just like go up to them because you wouldn't want that as a person
1: now Me, going you... up to her
0: was kind of the same thing without paying for it
1: did you sneak and take a picture of someone oh yeah
0: i got a picture of paula abdul and i didn't get her autograph i didn't get in her line but i she was right next to stephen the mill's line and I was watching her, and she was so friendly with her fans. Like, she was hugging them and, like, talking to them. And she never had it online because it's a comic book convention, and it's probably Abdul. But she did have people coming through, and she was taking her time talking to everybody. So I saw that with her. I saw when I was in Lori Petty's line, she had Joey Fatone, and who I like to call Joey one, AJ McClain and Nick Carter, down from her, well, while I was there, Nick Carter was the only one of those three there, and I was watching him, and he was very personable with the fans, like hugging them, talking to them, and really respectful for them. The We got there on Friday. First one we went to was the Cowboy from the Village People. He was one of the friendliest ones we talked to there. Like, he was very talkative. He That he was really the kid. original cowboy? Yes. It's the cowboy from the Village People, the real cowboy. And I, I asked him about Married with Children when he was on there. I was like, was it fun? He's like, yeah. I mean, he didn't talk a lot about it, but I mean, I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember that the cast was performing as the Village People and Marcy had the Village People's YMCA single and that was I all even- they had. So they kept performing that song over and over. And then the real village people got there and they came in and did that song. And then, so I talked to him about that. He talked to us about all kinds of things about the, the can't stop the music Blu-ray from him. And I mean, he was very friendly, very talkative. He, I, I showed him that I bought the greatest hit CD and I was going to get him to sign, and I told him I was going to get him to sign that, but I, I saw the, the Blu-ray, and I was like, no, I want that, so I'm going to get it signed. He took the CD from me and signed it. No extra charge. So, I awesome. mean, he was really, really great. And the vendors were all great. I mean, they're, they're they're trying to sell stuff, but, I mean, everybody was friendly. It was just a fun atmosphere. There was no judgment although there were protesters outside because you know people have no lives and there was one as we were walking by to get in line she was walking the other way and had a sign that said something about fear god and i was like why would you fear god and just kept on walking i don't know if she heard me or not but i was like really god is love why would you fear him i don't fear god i love
1: god i you know, I just hearing God just makes no things. I mean, really, they're so fucking stupid. I'm so done with those people.
0: But, but there were street preachers in a lot of places. We encountered some when we went down. I wanted to get dessert, so we went to Carolina Ale House, and there was a street preacher down through there. Carolina Ale House, by the way, really good food. I really was impressed with them. Good service, good food. So if you're in Raleigh. You might want to check out the Carolina Ale House. But, but yeah, it was it was a fantastic weekend. Expensive, but it was <coughs> money well spent for me. Because it's like I told everybody, you justify the things that you buy. If you really enjoy it and you want to do it, it's worth the money. If you don't care about it, then spend your money on what you want. But people that would knock me for doing that would be the same people who spend a lot of money on alcohol. And, you know... Alcohol is not going to be good for you, so why are you buying it? You can make that argument. This is something
1: I enjoyed. That's something they enjoyed. It did didn't hurt see, anybody. So there you go. Did you see whether it's like a horror con coming to like it's con, Concord? Or Cornel-
0: it's Nightmare uh, Weekend and it's
1: Nightmare Weekend from
0: the same company as Nightmare is doing Nightmare Weekend. I think in Richmond.
1: No, this is coming to Concord and Cornelia or Cornelius. Uh, I haven't seen that one. The dude who plays the original Pinhead's going to be there. Several several actors from um, Nightmare on Elm Street is going to be there. Um,
0: And Nightmare Weekend has Tony Todd and some of the cast of ET. Yeah, so. If, if you get the chance, I highly recommend going to GalaxyCon. It was a fantastic event. And I, I wish I could have done more Q&As, but the, after Stephen Amell, the room was so hot. And I'd sat in there for almost two hours because, you know, we sat through the anime that we didn't care about at the beginning and then waited for Stephen Amell and he was in there for 50 minutes. But if they ever get... The picture posted online. They did a group photo after the Stephen Amell Q and am smack dab right behind Stephen Amell in that picture, so I made sure to make myself seen behind Stephen Amell because you know it's a creepy stalker vibe kind
1: of thing. And he's going to say, "Can you like got out from behind me?"
0: <laughs> no, but but he he was fantastic. And you know, like I said. It, when they finally get that Q&A posted on on YouTube, watch it. It's... The language is not clean, but it was a fantastic Q&A. <clears throat> Loved every minute of what I saw of it. And like I said, the, they did the Transformers Q&A after that with Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, and I really, really wanted to be in there for that. But I was just so hot and miserable at the end of Stephen Mills that... And, it was worth it to be there for Stephen Emil, but it was just so hot and miserable in there that I could not stay for another one. So I went and got in Stephen Amill's line and it was all hot and sweaty. But anyways, I, I highly recommend the convention experience if you enjoy it. It's the celebrities, I mean, you're paying for them, so they're going to be good to you, but it, it's great. And, and the, the people there like, I've never had a bad experience at a con, and all the cons that I've gone to, they've been really friendly and really, really welcoming, so if, if you've never tried it, try
1: it, but you're trip Ooh. to Salem, the motherland. Oh, shut up. I ended up going back to Salem. In fact, it was a year ago to the week that I was there, which was kind of uncanny. So while I was there, I ended up seeing some things that I didn't see the last time. I got to go inside some houses. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne, um, famous author who lived in Salem, he actually um, wrote the House of Seven Gables, which the House of Seven Gables is located there in Salem. And I actually got to tour the house. The house was built in the 1660s. And that house is amazing to be that old. I mean, a lot of the original structure still there. They show us all the original um, rafters. how it's called the House of Seven Gables, um, went through all the history. You cut out. Last thing I heard was went through all the history. Went through all the history and everyone that's lived there throughout the centuries the roof <clears throat> of one of the gables, and we got to see how the house was put together. It was put with wooden pegs, and it's still standing from the 1600s. So there was a woman there, her husband's a builder, and this is exactly what she said. After she's looking, she goes, you've got to be fucking kidding me. She goes, this house with wooden pegs, and it's still standing, and she took pictures of it, and she said, I'm going to have my husband to go back to wooden pegs. She said, there's no way in today's modern structures that's being built is going to last four to 500 years like this house has. She said, we've got to make our houses better. <laughs> oh, But yeah, there's... um. Hidden passageways we got to go through inside the house of seven gables. It was so cool visiting that. And then we left from there, and we also got to go inside. Um, <clears throat> there's another house we got to go inside of. It's called the Salem Witch House. No witches live. It's just called the Witch House because of the judge that presided over the, okay. under the um, hearings of all the accused witches. It was his house. The It was the judge's house. And we got to tour it and go through it. And it was really cool seeing that. And it was built in the 1600s as well. And we um, went in and out of all sorts, of kind of witch shops. And, I mean, everywhere in Salem is nothing but witch stores, witch shops. People going to read your palms. People is going to your future. People is going to... So, I happened to go inside of one of these um, witch shops, and little did I know, I went inside the one with the longest, The it was a witch, just in Salem for 38 years, and she's the oldest one that's been practicing that long, and I had a reading done, I thought I'd go ahead and have a reading done, so I did, and she threw out all these tarot cards at me, and, and she was telling me all about my life story with all the and I didn't tell her who I was where I was from or anything like that but she hit everything every detail on me L- nail hit I mean she's hitting it she, she pulled out this card and she said you recently have had a very bad sickness she said it was very life threatening and she said but you came out on the other side and now you're well you've been well for several years now And she said, just know that you're not going to have another sickness. I was like, how did she know that? And then um, she started looking. She said, oh, yes. She said, right here's your lifeline. She's taking her fingers all over my palms. She said, you're going to live a very long time according to this. And she said, and it was just friggin' cool. I was with her for 15 minutes. It was cool. Um. Then I've ate some awesome food while I was there. And also while I was there, we went over into Boston. You ever been to Boston, Chris? No, I've not been. Like, New York City is the only place I've really spent time.
0: But Boston,
1: really was going on. Boston is full of rich history, just like Salem is. Boston is only 20 minutes from Salem. I did not know how close they were. And I actually got to go inside Paul Revere's house while in Boston. It's located in Little Italy, and the house is tiny. It was only $6 to go through, and it's two rooms downstairs, two rooms upstairs. That was it. And also, all of these houses we went to, including in Salem, these massive fireplaces throughout the whole house. They had to keep it warm, you know, and they also cooked with the fireplaces. So that's how they heated the house and cooked, but... Um, got some awesome food while in little Italy, got to see where, you know, you know, Sam, Sam Adams, the beer, beer guy. Yeah. He's a real person, which I did not know that. And he yeah. is buried in Boston. I got to see the longest can, I got to see the oldest pub in the United States and it's an operation in Boston. I got to see where there's another pub. Like a, it was kind of like the um, the the iron Building in New York, except it's on a much smaller scale, and it was a pub. And one of the locals was walking around, walking us around, and telling us about this. And he she's told us that Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and several other heads of, heads of state, and all that bar, and they would talk about you know plans that they had for the states of what's going on. They were planning inside this bar right here. I said, you freaking know. She said, in fact, their their names is carved into the walls. They carved them from, walls uh, from back so many years ago. It's amazing.
0: Right. But back to what you were saying, wasn't Samuel Adams a Revolutionary War figure?
1: I don't know. I haven't read up on him, but he's yeah. very dear, along with Benjamin Franklin parents because that i've always
0: remembered it says he's founding father of the united states on google um was an american statesman political philosopher and a founding father of the u.s i would say he was probably a revolutionary war figure i can't remember a lot about it i just remember that he was in the history books and i was pretty sure he was a revolutionary war and I knew that
1: the the beer company had been named after him. Yeah. Like he didn't sound the beer company. Yeah. So and then from there, well, before we went to Boston, we went over to Fall River, Massachusetts. And that's where the Lizzie Borden house is located. And if you know anything about the Lizzie Borden case, it's one of the yeah. oldest mysteries, murder mysteries in the United States. Did she do it? Yeah.
0: And there's been some really good stories. Like, Alfred Hitchcock TV show did an episode that was Lizzie Borden. And, of course, Christina Ricci did, on Lifetime, the Lizzie Borden Took an Axe, I think is what it was called. Mm -hmm. And then she did the Lizzie Borden Chronicles, the series. I believe it was on Lifetime. I think it's now on Netflix. And I've not watched the series, but the movie was really
1: good. And I mean, it's, it's I've super, long known
0: about the story.
1: It's super creepy being in the actual house and the actual rooms where her father was axed to death and is in the head. And seeing, you actually get to see the real photos of the people in the room dead. You see it.
0: Well, that's what they used to do was photograph the dead.
1: I mean, them laying there, That the her father, I mean, his... His face was so axed to death that it was gore all over his head and blood all over the couch in that living room laying there. And then the photographer ended up putting his shoes on the father because his shoes was off and propped up his head with his jacket so he can get a clear shot of his father's head. How creepy is that? And then his her mother was Her mother, the way they they described the way she's murdered, an axe was taken to the front of her head, and then her flung her head back around and was to the back of whoever it was, and then hit her head 28 times in the back of her head with that axe. They had to end up shaving the mother and the father's head for the autopsy to see how many times their heads were struck of that black and white photos of that uh, and of the crime scene and it was just really gory Um, it was just and the house is actually bigger than what it looks it's three stories up and had a full basement and you can actually stay in the house if you want to you can rent it out for the night and it's a ghost some kind of ghost tour company that owns the house so, uh, and you know, the, the nursery rhyme for Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother
0: 40 wax, and when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. That's wild. But yeah, I've the Lizzie Borden story has long been something that I have in,
1: been interested in, like learning about. <clears throat> You'll like this, Chris. When she died, when Lizzie Borden died, she never got go to the um, jail for anything. She was publicly found guilty by the public. Yes, but when she died, she left thirty thousand dollars to the there in Fall River, and for the ki- for the kitty cats. And when you go to to adopt a kitty cat there, it's called. Um, Libby's kid, um, uh, L- Lizzie's kitties, Lizzie Borden's kitties, and they say that there, there's enough money still escrowed in that account where it's still helping the cats of the Humane Society there. Uh, and back then, $30,000 would be like today, would be like 200 and some thousand dollars in today's money. <clears throat> That's how much money she left them.
0: But, but yeah, I, I I've always enjoyed Lizzie's, Lizzie's stories, and you see some like the the one with Christina Ricci gives you very reasonable doubt to her guilt. Like you really don't think she did it after seeing that. But then the Alfred Hitchcock version that was on I I think it was like the first season of Alfred Hitchcock. <coughs> it was very clearly they
1: believe she was guilty so there was a maid that lived inside the house she knew everything coming and going she just kept her mouth shut after the murders happened she disappeared and she was gone for five years and then they found her on a ranch in texas she bought a with her money where did she get that money from they think that Lizzie Borden paid her off to get out of there and to keep her mouth shut. And you know what? The maid never said a word about it. She kept her mouth shut. Even you know, some people have deathbed chronicles. She didn't have one. She kept that maid kept her mouth shut about everything. Well, well the
0: the Lizzie <laughs> Borden with Christina Ricci talks about another murder that happened while lizzie gordon was in custody and i don't know if it was fabricated for the film i don't know if it was real but it was the same kind of circumstances which is why i say the the movie with
1: christina ricci pretty much tells you they don't find her guilty there was no other murder committed inside the house other than those two not in the house it
0: was somewhere like not far away. Now, but the circumstances two. were identical.
1: Now, what it was was next door, there was a mother that drowned her kids in a cistern in the basement. She killed her children. Now, ended up, they don't know if the husband had a fit of rage and killed his wife when he got home, when she, he found out what she did, cut her throat so deeply that it severed all her ligaments in her neck. Now, if it was a pair, they said if this was a suicide, it would not go that deep. It would just be enough to cut the veins and that would be it. And then they, you would bleed out and die. But this was so forceful that it cut all her ligaments in her neck. So they think the husband... Killed her in a fit of rage after he found out that she killed that she drowned the two children in the cistern in the basement. And they're That's saying
0: that was, that was that, not the one because the one in the movie it was an
1: axe murder. It then during the tour of the house, no one mentioned anything about another axe murder. It must have been made made up. There's no no axe. I don't no know. Murder was mentioned. Wasn't,
0: like, I think it was a town or two over, but it was the same circumstances according to that movie.
1: But right there, the only deaths was those two children next to the Lizzie Borden House. And they say that those two children haunt the Lizzie Borden or two other spirits. It's one of the it's um according to it's one of the top ten location most haunted locations in the United States, the Lizzie Borden House is.
0: Yeah, I've, I've seen it on some of the shows, but but anyways, we need to move along because we still got a couple things to cover here, real quick. Okay. First up is a uh, real quick on the, superpower of the DC story, to be Max original three episode documentary <laughs> on DC Comics in its history, and I've seen multiple DC documentaries that they've done because they have done multiple. This one has a lot of the same information. But this one has a lot of new information that you haven't seen before. Of course, they discuss the TV shows. They discuss the original, like how this the company got off the ground, about acquiring other companies, and I mean, just it really does give a broader picture. Which it's still DC positive, so they don't saw, show all the the negativity that went through the years. But it's done by Greg Berlanti, who. Was producer and and creative force behind the Arrowverse shows, and um, he did Titans. I believe he did Doom, Doom Patrol with his production company on Max. So Greg Berlanti's been very much a part of DC. He even did the Green Lantern movie, but the, he was not the one who wrote the script for it from his vision. But is he has a long history with DC Comics and. It was, I thought, really well done, and I highly recommend it. Linda Carter has an interview in it. Uh, Gal Gadot has an interview in it. They talk about Christopher Reeve Superman, George Reeve's Superman, all that stuff. The, the whole Frank Wortham trials that they did against the comics industry, which brought about the Comics Code Authority. Really good history of it. If you don't know the history of D.C., This is a really good version, probably the best of their documentaries they've done. So IGN has it 6 out of 10. IMDB with 202 reviews has it 7.1 out of 10. And on Rotten Tomatoes, 8 reviews on the tomato meter put it 75%. Fewer than 50 ratings on the audience score, but it is at 100%. So I'm not lying when I say this is a well-done documentary. And if you're wanting to know about DC, this is probably the best source to go to to learn about it. And with that, we'll move on to the, the tribute to Pee Wee Herman. I do have an, an article pulled up by from comicbook.com. It's where to watch Paul Rubin's Pee Wee Herman movies online. It also talks about his others. Um, Big Adventure is not available through any service, but you can rent it to watch. Big Top Pee Wee, it says it's streaming on Paramount Plus, Amazon Prime, Fubo TV, and mgm Plus Plus. You can rent it. Pee Wee's Big Holiday, which I don't think I ever watched that one, is available on Netflix and Netflix Basic with ads. Pee Wee's Playhouse is available for free with a library card via Apple TV Plus, Android TV, Fire TV, and Roku. His movies that they have listed here. 1986's Flight of the Navigator is streaming on Disney Plus. Uh, the his cameo in Batman Returns as Penguin's Father is on Max. Uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the film is streaming on Max. The Nightmare Before Christmas is streaming on Disney Plus. Matilda is available to I think they left out rent. It says available too for digital rental on Apple TV, Amazon Prime Video, Google Play, the Microsoft Store, Redbox, Voodoo, and YouTube but not streaming on any service without renting. Uh, Dr. Doolittle is available on Disney+. Plus. Mystery Men, which was fantastic, is available on Peacock and Stars. And the Smurfs is streaming on Freebie. The Smurfs 2 is streaming on Netflix. And I did not realize he was actually in the Smurfs movies from 2011 to 2013, but he was the voice of Joke, Jokey Smurf. I
1: didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I, I had no clue. But of all of his stuff, what would be your favorite Paul Rubens performance?
1: Whenever I first started working at Hickory Park Furniture Galleries, where I'm working at right now for 20-some years, we had a children's gallery when I first started working there, and we had Cherry in our gallery, and that was just so super cool to have Cherry in our gallery. It was this giant animated-looking chair with the eyes and all that on it, the hands, and you could sit down in it and have your picture made. And one corner of the showroom was painted up like Peewee Place, Peewee's Playhouse, sitting there, Kids Loved that, and I would sit, and I'd be like, like, you know, we would (laughs) also do the secret word of the day. The the day is, is, you know, uh, table, and so we would do that (laughs) with the sales associate. And anytime someone said table, we would scream and go. And we literally would do that in the showroom. It was so much fun. Oh, my God, it was so much fun. So um, uh, I would say just the original Pee-wee's Playhouse, um, watching those episodes and seeing Cherry and knowing we had Cherry in our showroom. Eventually, we ended up selling Cherry off our floor because uh, it ended up going into a little bit of disrepair from all the people sitting in it and what have you. And it was we actually had it, one of the furniture companies there in Hickory, made cherry for us it was not available for the public to buy as in to order it for their house but they made it specifically for our children's gallery to put in there and that was so much fun having cherry in there so it it was cool and
0: i'm wondering is the original cherry in the smithsonian do you know
1: I've been to Smithsonian several times and I can't remember if I saw it or not. I
0: it seems <laughs> like that would be the one to have. Let's see, where is Sherry from Bee Wee's Playhouse now? Uh, it's all kinds of things about cherry, but nothing about
1: where it is I would say I'd say the production company probably has us in storage somewhere I mean that would be a perfect for the Smithsonian I would think yeah for them to archive it that would be awesome
0: let's see if the if this KiwiFandom.com has anything about where it's at?
1: No, I've seen the, the chair from Fraser Crane's show. You know, his father's Bark Lounge recliner is in there.
0: Well, Carol O'Connor's chair from all the
1: families in there, too. It's in there. I've seen it. And Fozzie's
0: um, Jacket, Liz
1: and uh, Jackie O's clothing is in there. Yep. Michael Jackson's fedora. There's just tons of stuff in there. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything about where it's stored currently. I would say probably the TV production company has it in storage. Or it it was one of those things that got destroyed. I mean, that's possible too. But Our cherry was awesome. I mean, it was cherry. It was like big and, you know... (laughs) It was just a fun chair. We had it in there. And, it, and it, like I said, from all the people sitting in it, the kids being in it, and it just kind of falling into disrepair. You know, started getting a little bit of staining on it from shoes and stuff, being honest. We just decided to sell it off the floor. So someone bought it. I don't know who bought it, but they got them a cherry. <laughs>
0: yeah. So what would... So you're saying the Pee-Wee's Playhouse would be your favorite... I remember
1: watching the Pee-wee's Playhouse. That would be my favorite, would be the shows. I actually watched them, and they were cute.
0: See, of his performances, I would have to go with
1: Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Would you believe I've never watched an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And he
0: wasn't in the series. He was in the movie.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And unfortunately, it stars Christy Swanson, who is an idiot Trump supporter. And I mean... She is an idiot. She's a stereotypical supporter of Disgraced Former God. But, I mean, it, the, the film itself was really good. And Pee Wee Herman was, or Paul Rubens was one of the, the vampires in it. He got staked in the heart and he ends up dying all through the credits, which was great. Like It, it runs the credits and it comes back and hits him dying still. And it was great. But That would be my favorite performance from him. But of course, I grew up with Pee Wee's Playhouse on Saturday morning. Uh, I know I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure.
1: Because Kill 'em, Large Marge sent you. In my mind, it was hard for me to imagine him being 70.
0: It was hard to,
1: to imagine what? Him being 70 years old.
0: Yeah.
1: And. I mean he
0: had some great stuff and he you think back he was he was on in the eighties.
1: Yeah, but what I'm think what I'm saying is in my mind it's like one of those Forever Young in my mind, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So Oh, and something else that doesn't get mentioned is he appeared on Cindy Lauper's True Colors album. I didn't know that. Yeah. It <clears throat> was the song 911, and after the song, you hear the the phone ringing, and it's Pee Wee Herman doing a recorded like a recorded message for the phone, saying all operators are busy, something about if this is an emergency, please hang up and dial O for operator or something like that. It's been a long time since I've listened to it, but it's it's Paul Rubens on her CD uh, cassette whatever, but it was. It was after the song 911. It went into Pee Wee Herman. And he does the laugh and
1: everything. You know, he was such an icon back for doing Pee Wee's Playhouse and uh, doing that character for Pee Wee and developing that character. I can't imagine yeah. anyone else being Pee Wee. Well, you then. know, it
0: all started as an adult comedy performance on stage that turned <coughs> into a kids' Saturday morning show. I didn't know that. Yeah. He it was he was performing on stage as a comedy act for adults and it was reworked to be for kids, which worked great because kids loved it. Yeah. And kids probably still love it. Yeah, I just I hate that he was battling cancer and I saw some other things about his private life which I'm gonna leave private, but it just it's it's sad the way his life ended. And it's sad that he's not here anymore. And you know even with the, the whole scandal, he he came back with as a buffy and I mean, Buffy really did get him respected again after all that.
1: Oh yeah, then he so, came back and he was really big again. So people are willing to forgive and forget.
0: And, and of course, the <laughs> Kiwi- <laughs> character has had a resurgence. Yep. I mean, sure it, it's not where it was in the 80s because you had the, the toys, like the King of Cartoons had an action figure and Pee-wee had an action figure. They had the whole line, <laughs> Mailman, Cherry, and they had the, I think it was a larger doll size talking Peewee, if I'm not mistaken, and they had the Cherry that went with it. And I mean it was a huge marketing deal. And oh yeah people just don't understand the, the phenomenon that was Pee Wee Herman, but we we loved him and still do. And oh, yeah. at least he saw a resurgence in his stuff and to the point where whenever he would come out as Pee Wee Herman or Paul Rubens, he was well loved. And you know he appeared, I think, twice on um, "To Tell the Truth" with Anthony Anderson. So I know he was on there once. He was the mystery guest that you—he was trying to be somebody that he wasn't, and he was one of the fake panelists. But it was—it was Paul Rubens on there. I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure he made two appearances on it. And I really like that game show a lot, so I hope it comes back. But. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch some of those because those were really good performances. <clears throat> but, but yeah, like I said, if, if you want, if you didn't catch where I, all those were, again, it's on comicbook.com. The article is titled "Where to Watch Paul Rubin's Pee Wee Herman Movies Online." So, if you want to go see some of them,
1: you'll you'll be able to use that as a guide on how to find
0: them. But Paul, with that, any last words?
1: Actually, COVID is making a resurgence here in the summer. I was reading an article about that and it's hospitalizations are going back up. So um, now's the time to get your booster shots if you haven't gotten one in a while. So
0: I'm so tired of people who refuse to believe. I had one tell me the other day online, you know that or that vaccination is a joke. I was like, no, actually, we're CNAs. I'm going to choose to believe that scientists who are paid and educated for this specific reason that created the vaccine to keep us safe. And, you know, I, I had the vaccine just days before I was exposed to COVID. The second time I got COVID, which is why it didn't prevent me from getting it. But it did prevent me from getting any kind of real symptoms for it. So, yes, the vaccine does work. Whether you want to believe it or not, it works. Because everybody who listens to the show remembers how bad I was the first time around. Second time around was nothing.
1: Yeah, I remember. I think on a, after I get over this chest cold crap... I'm gonna schedule for me another booster shot.
0: Um mine was in November. I'm still gonna wait a little bit before I get another one. But but I I will continue to get the booster as long as it's an issue because I'll it's not get,
1: I'll probably get mine towards the just in time for fall and winter. So I'll do mine then.
0: Well I wanna keep mine <clears> as far separate from the
1: flu vaccination as possible, but uh, it's about time for that again. Blue too, shots so. are usually in October, aren't they? Yeah, that's when I get mine. Yeah. Because by the
0: end of October,
1: we have to have it for the job. Yeah.
0: All right. But with that, I do believe we're done. So we'll be back on in a week with another show and then back to our bi weekly schedule. As schedules should be back to normal somewhat. So until then, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.